Welcome, and thank you for joining us as we listen to the lively messages of Brother Nick Manzi, a down-to-earth pastor who communicates God's truth in understandable and practical terms as you apply the Bible to your own life. Celebrating homecoming is such a wonderful opportunity that we get to feel the family that we are, that we really are. And you know, as a family, we're broken. We already established that, amen? But we make mistakes, amen? And because we make mistakes, you know, there's going to be problems, there's going to be challenges, but it's how we overcome those challenges and with whom we overcome them with. We could side on the side of Satan and get mad and angry and start back talking and, you know, wagging our finger at people, or we could side with God and forgive. Right? So that's what we're here to do together. We're, you know, maybe we had some challenges in our past, but we're here today praising our God because there's only one true God. Amen? Amen. 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 I'm glad you guys are awake. I think you're awake. Amen? Amen. All right. Good deal. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm glad to be here today, and I thank the Lord that he's allowed me to be here today. You know, all of us have challenges, and, you know, I'm not without challenge, but, you know, not, and the Lord knows I have my share. And I'm not trying to compare it to anybody else's, but he gets me through each and every day. You know, it got me thinking about Max Lucado. I love to read books, and if you ever get a chance to read the book, In the Eye of the Storm, read that. It's by Max Lucado, In the Eye of the Storm. And one part of the book, he talks about Chippy the parakeet. And Chippy the parakeet, parakeet, he writes, never saw it coming. One second, he was peacefully perched in his cage, and the the next thing he knew, he was sucked in, washed up, and blown over. See, the problems began with Chippy's owner decided to clean Chippy's cage with the vacuum cleaner. And she removed the attachment from the end of the hose and stuck it in the cage to pick up all the dirt and stuff that's in the bottom of the cage. And the phone rang and she turned to pick it up and (laughs) there goes Chippy sucked into the vacuum cleaner. Well, the bird owner, she gasped and put down the phone, turned, on, turned off the vacuum and opened up the bag. And there was Chippy still alive, still alive. But she was stunned. Since the bird was covered with dust and soot, well, the owner did the only logical thing that she could think of. She rushed the bird to the bathroom, turned on the faucet and held Chippy under the water until she was clean. And then, after realizing that Chippy was soaked and shivering, she did what any other compassionate bird owner would do. She reached for the hairdryer and started blowing her off. Poor Chippy never knew what hit him. A few days after that trauma happened, a reporter who initially written about this event contacted Chippy's owner to see how the bird was recovering. Well, she replied... Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. (laughs) He just sits and stares. It's hard not to see why, right? Sucked in, washed up, and blown over. It's enough to steal the song from the stoutest heart. It's a funny story, but I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think, I I suspect that all of us here that are here this morning have felt one time or another like Chippy. Our dreams might have been dashed, our spirits are shattered, 
Our world has been turned upside down. And just like Chippy, we never saw it coming. One minute we're singing away that beautiful song. And the next minute we're blown over by one of life's many storms. See, in spite of all our pious platitudes, the plain truth is this. Life can be very, very difficult. If you believe that, I say amen. 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 I'm glad I'm not the only one. Because sometimes it could be more than we can bear alone. Amen? Maybe that's why the Bible says in our text today, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. See, I believe God knows that we need each other. I think He did that purposely because we do need each other to be able to make it through this challenge we call life. He knows that not one of us in this room or outside this room is strong enough or self-sufficient enough to be able to make it totally on our own. Now, yeah, we might think we are. And we might think that we're strong but when we're honest with, with those things, we realize, well, maybe we really aren't that strong or as strong as we once thought we were. So the Bible tells us to help each other along. Help each other along that path by bearing one another's burdens. I like how the New Living Translation puts it. It puts, share each other's troubles and problems. Say that with me. Share each other's troubles and problems. One more time with conviction, please. Share each other's troubles and problems. See, this is what we're supposed to do. And this comes from God, not from Nick. See, for the past couple months, we've considered what I believe the Bible teaches us as how a church needs to be, how God wants every church, but especially Central Baptist Church, where we are today, to be in a God-fearing church, to be able to be a functioning church, to function properly. The church must be the hope of the world. Do you believe that? It's in the church that sinners are saved. Do you believe that? The lonely get to find friendship within the church. The outcasts find acceptance. It's in the church that the hearts and lives are shaped for God's glory. It's in the church that we find and live out our true life's purposes. See, when it's functioning properly, the church is the hope of the world. And so we took the past couple of months to consider what type of church God wants Central Baptist to be. We saw that God wants the church to be a body of worshipers who worship God in spirit and in truth, which means worshiping with the right attitude, with the right focus. We saw that God wants the church to grow, but not just grow in numbers, but grow in their faith and knowledge in Christ by asking what would Jesus do and then trying to live as he would. 
We noted that God wants the church to be fully engaged in service with every member using his or her spiritual gifts for the kingdom ministry purposes. And we saw last week that the church, that God wants the church to reach out to the world and share the good news of Jesus with everyone. Today, we're going to look at what I consider the fifth column, the fifth point, the fifth talking piece of what God wants Central Baptist to be. How God wants us to be a church that becomes a community. God wants us to be a church that becomes a community. See, we are called to live in fellowship with one another. We're called to be a family. That's why we're doing homecoming, because we still are family. We're not just family of Central Baptist Church. We're family of the one true living God. So we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and nothing can take that away. Which means we are called to bear one another's burdens. So this morning, I want us to be able to talk on how we can do that. First thing that we need to acknowledge is that in order to bear one another's burdens, we must commit ourselves to each other. We must commit ourselves to each other. If we are going to be a community that bears one another's burdens and is there for one another and supports one another and encourages one another and helps one another, well, then we must make a commitment to be available to one another and for one another. Did you hear how I said that? We must make a commitment to be there to be available to one another and for one another. We must commit ourselves to care for each other. Maybe you remember the story about David and Jonathan in the Bible. Saul, if you remember, was king of Israel and he had disobeyed God. And even though he was king, God had declared that he'd lose his seat and the seat would be given to David. And David, well, he was one of Saul's servants, so this made things bittersweet for Saul because Saul loved him, because David won great battles for him. And Saul knew he needed David, but he was afraid of him just the same. And so from time to time, Saul would be filled with these fits of insane jealousy and would try to end up killing David. He'd go to great lengths to find where he was to try to kill him. And David, well, he would just flee from Saul. Saul had a son, though. You remember him? Named Jonathan. And David and Jonathan were friends. And in spite of Saul's jealousy and fear for David, Jonathan loved David and was committed to him in friendship. One day, David came to Jonathan with a desperate request and he asked Jonathan to approach his father Saul and ask whether he really intended to kill David and then let him know. Now this, well, it had the potential to cause huge problems for Jonathan because even though he was Saul's son, it, was, it wasn't inconceivable that Saul would have him killed if Saul found out that he was spying for David and passing information along to him. 
But I love what Jonathan replied in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 4. He said, Whatever you yourself desire, I will do it for you. Whatever you yourself desire, I will do it for you. Whatever your need is, David, I'm going to do my best to be able to meet that. Whatever you need done, I'm going to do my best to be able to accomplish that. David, no matter what it costs me, even if that means my life, I'm in this with you, David. I committed myself to care for you. Whatever you say, I will do. See, Jonathan wasn't doing anything special outside of what God wants. He, he's doing what God wants. And even God tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. See, if we are going to be a community that bears one another's burdens, we must commit ourselves, ourselves to care for one another. We must do that. See, there, there's people in this church who are a little bit advanced in their age. And that comes with increasing health problems. I could probably get a, a huge amen for that. Problems come about where they have trouble getting around. And so that means maybe in the next several years, there will probably be members of this church and regular attenders to this church who are going to incur some severe health problems themselves. Or maybe their spouses will. And there's going to be even members that end up losing loved ones because none of us are immortal. See, we're all called to help those carry those burdens but that means that we need to be committed that we need to invest that time that's necessary to be there for those who are sick to be there for those who are hurting we spend a lot of time trying to hone in our hobbies to try to do the best that we can in what we love but we must do the same when we care for one another. Similarly, we're going to attract a lot of younger families over the next several years. We're praying for that to occur. We're even putting things into place so that will happen. And I'm convinced over the course of the next couple of years, God's going to bring many young families back into this church. But that means that we're going to attract people who are at the stage of life where they may experience personal or family-related problems. Maybe they have rebellious children and they don't know how or what to do to parent them. Or maybe they, they're going to experience the breakdown of their marriages and not be sure of what to do. Maybe they're going to suffer the loss of their jobs and experience the confusion that comes along with that event. Or maybe they're going to deal with the catastrophic illness of, and decline of their parents and be tore up about that. 
See, we're also called to help and carry those burdens along with them, aren't we? But that means we also not only have to be committed to the elderly, because I know God's word talks about the orphans and the elderly and the, and the widows, but he doesn't just talk about those two. He talks about everybody, doesn't he? We, we have to invest the time necessary to be there for those who are experiencing burdens in their lives. No matter how great or small you feel it might be, if they have a burden, we need to help them carry it. We are pillars in this community that we call church. And when one pillar falls, it leans up against another. But if there is no other, then it just falls to the ground. So are we going to be the pillar that stands strong with that person that is falling over, that's leaning on you? Or are we just going to let them fall and say, well, it doesn't bother me, it's not part of my life? That's some tough words, isn't it? Listen, I had to hear it from God this week, okay? All week when I was preparing this sermon. Because I fail at that too. Where none of us are perfect at it. But we need to strive to get better every day. James chapter 2, verse 15 and 16 says, If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things that they the things that which are needed for the body, what does it profit? That means, listen carefully here, that means that it's not enough that we just acknowledge when people are hurting. Mere acknowledgement does them no good. Does them no good. Not too long ago, we needed new lights. And when a bunch of us acknowledged we needed lights. But if we didn't do anything about it, we'd still have the ones that are still flashing because they're so old. That's what we do with other people, don't we? We acknowledge, but we let them flash and flicker because things are happening in their life and they can't have that steady stream of the electric that comes from God. We must hold them strong. What's actually needed is for us to take steps to help people when they're hurting. We must take those steps. Maybe that's giving a a listening ear or shoulder to be able to cry upon. Maybe that means lending a helping hand to a person or a family that's in need. Maybe that means making a visit to the hospital room to bring encouragement or comfort. But however it plays out, it certainly means that we need to make a commitment that we will care for one another. We need to be there for one another. And we need to meet each other's needs. If you want to see this church grow spiritually, because I told you already, you could have 40 people or 400 people in this church. I'd rather have 40 people who are committed and growing than 400 people who aren't caring. But we need to be the people who care about God, who are willing to grow in Him, who are committed to be the church that God wants us to be. 
So that's the first one. The second point on how we can make our church into the type of community that God desires us to be is that in order to bear one another's burden, we must position ourselves to care for each other. We must position ourselves to care for one another. See, right now, our church, the way it's currently structured, that means such things that, that we get to pay attention to the prayer list to be able to do this. We can position ourselves by picking up a prayer list. By the way, did you know it's still there every day of the week, even beyond Wednesday? Pick one up and start praying for our church because that's where most of our public needs are communicated. We get to visit those people who are in your church family because of that prayer list. We get to visit the shut-ins because of that prayer list. The people who are ill because of that prayer list. You know, maybe we can make a commitment today. And this is, I can't make this for you. This is on you. On you alone. But maybe we can visit or call at least one family every month. One family every month. Let's do that and find out what is going on in their life. Is there something we can do to be that pillar that holds strong while they're falling? And maybe you're going through some problems and that's okay too. Maybe you have the right antidote for that person that needs something. And hopefully there'll be somebody that can hope you held you up as well. But if you aren't sure who you can visit or who you can call, by all means, see me. Better yet, look at your neighbor that you're sitting next to right now. Look in front of you, side to side and behind. There's plenty of people right there that you can call, talk to, and share burdens with. But the prayer list isn't the only place that we can find a starting point. We can also find a point to help people by joining a church group. Get a church, get involved in a church group. That way we can develop those close relationships. Maybe that means coming to Sunday school, coming early at 9.30 when we start. 9.45 starts our Sunday school. We're done by 10.45 and we come here at 11 o'clock. Join a Sunday school class. The groups are small and they'd be able to, you'd be able to share your needs and your desires. You, not just the wisdom that we receive from God, but each one of them asks for prayers. We can do it in those groups. But it's not just one of them. Maybe it's becoming one of the children's ministry workers or youth ministry workers, being part of WMU or the men's ministry. All those are opportunities to get part of a small group, to be able to start small and then start working out. Because I'm with you. Looking at the whole church as as a whole is overwhelming. But if we look in a small circle... And don't just stay in that circle, but start in there and work your way out. It becomes a lot easier. We can be able to do those things because it's easier when we're part of a small group. Now, as the church grows and even moves on in time, we're going to have to continuously reposition ourselves We're going to have to continuously reposition ourselves so that we can care for one another. Just because we did stuff for 40 years doesn't mean it works today. No one says amen there, huh? (laughs) Change is good as long as it's for the right reasons at the right time. 
But we can't say, well, we've always done it that way before. Please don't say that. Because people change. Times change. God never changes. We can still do things a little differently without sacrificing what God's word tells us to do. And we'll talk a little bit more about ways we can do that as the years go on. As we grow and we reach that point where we need to do things a little bit differently so that we can care for one another. But the point is this. Whatever the size of the church, God wants the church to be a community that cares. He wants Central Baptist Church and all the churches that are Bible-believing, truth-speaking churches to be a church that's a community that cares. He wants the church to be a place where the chippies of the world can come and experience acceptance. They can come and feel that love and encouragement and support for one another. He wants the church to be filled with Christ followers who bear one another's burdens, who also know that not one person in that church is perfect. Not one person. Somebody told me this past week when I invited them to church, I'm not going to go to any church because they're a bunch of hypocrites. Yep, amen. (laughs) Amen. I'm the front of that line. You know why? Because I tell you what to do, and I tell myself what I need to do, and I still mess up. But I think I said this Wednesday, just because the hospital's full of sick people doesn't mean you won't go there, will it? Here's your hospital of sick people, spiritually sick. We are a hospital of sick people. Christ has come to be there for the sick, not the well. I don't know anybody that's well. He wants us to be a church of Christ followers who bear one another's burdens. So, past couple months, we saw five characteristics, five burdens, five pillars that God wants every church to possess. That's spirit-filled worship, where the members of this church worship God with the right attitude giving Him all their praise. Christ-focused fellowship. Excuse me, Christ-focused discipleship where the members of this church strive to learn from Jesus by studying God's Word so they can answer that question, what would Jesus do? And live their lives accordingly. We learned that we need to have kingdom-oriented service. Not just any service. Anybody could do something for some, someone else. But we need kingdom-oriented service where the members of this church can use their God-given gifts and abilities to serve this church, to serve our community, thereby bringing honor to our God. We also need strategically implemented evangelism. <laughs> where the members of this church share Jesus with others. And we don't just keep it within these walls and within our own hearts. We bring it out to the world and we prayerfully tell others who need Jesus within our circle of influence. 
what Jesus means to you and what Jesus means to them. And focus only on that good news. But you can also use Sunday service, church services as an evangelistic tool. And finally, community building fellowship where members of this church can commit themselves to bear one another's burdens and position ourselves to do so. Those are five traits that I believe the Bible teaches you and me, teaches every church that that he wants every church to possess. And certainly we should want this here at Central Baptist Church. Amen? Amen? We should want this so much so that we're burdened by the fact that maybe we aren't committed to one or two or three of these or whatever it might be. So I want to encourage you as we close this series to do one of two things. First, look at these five traits up here. The five traits I just read through that's on the screen behind me. I want you to look at that and which one, maybe two or three or whatever, do you need the most work on? Which ones do you need the most work on? Because God wants us to be involved in all of these traits. Not one, two, or three, but all. Which one or two maybe you need to focus on? Can I ask you to prayerfully commit yourself to working on these? If we are going to be a church that is a God-fearing church, we need that commitment. I can preach all day long, but if we don't do it together, it means nothing. It means nothing. Maybe when you get up each morning, you can pray that God will help you do it. And then you can ask Him to take those necessary steps to actually improve whichever one or two of those traits you need to improve. So will you commit that to that with me? Amen? Second, we talked about inviting somebody to church last week. And I asked you to pray to God about that person that He might want you to invite. Now I want you to take that challenge to another level and pray another week and pray about it some more. Pray for that person that you thought about last week. And if you weren't here last week, your challenge was to pray about a person that has never been to church or maybe stopped going to church that you know in your circle and to let God give you the opportunity to have the words to pray, to invite them back to church. Pray each day that God would make them receptive to what he's about to use you for. And pray each day that God will give you the right words to say. Pray, most of all, that God will give you the courage to do it. Nick Manzi is Senior Pastor of Central Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. If you want more information about the church, or if you're ready to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, contact Brother Nick at PastorNickCentralBaptistPSL at gmail.com. God bless you as you go about the rest of your day, and thank you for listening and sharing our podcast.